Hey guys, welcome back to On She Goes, the podcast, uh, episode four. Today we are talking all about representation. Um, I have with me today our On She Goes ladies, Sands, Rebecca Russell. We have uh, Farron Nickdell. Hello. Becca Ramos. Hello. I like to roll my R's. <laughs> I like how you can roll <laughs> And Vivian Zan. Hi. Yes. Okay. So we're here today, and I'm Sarita, obviously. Okay. <laughs> so today we're talking about representation. Uh, and, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking about this is because, and it, it has things to do with travel, then, then again, it kind of doesn't, but it does at the same time. Um, when we started on She Goes, we knew the major reason why we wanted to do this was for the benefit of representation. Um, travel media does not feature us, women of color, at all, if any. Um, if there any. are a few select sites and groups that have come up and come out, and people of color are just blazing through travel rapidly, which is awesome now, like Travel Noir and um, uh, Nomadness and all of those groups, and it's super, super dope. And they're inspirations for us. But we were looking at the Travel Channel. We were looking at Condé Nast Traveler and all of these other periodicals and networks and things like that. And we're like, wow, like I can't even see a picture of, of someone that looks like me hanging out on a beach. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. And I know that people that look like me go to the beach. Actually, most people that look like me live in places, are from places that are basically majority <laughs> On the beach. <laughs> like, so... It's just like, it, it, there's kind of like this weird uh, thing there where travel media is very much from a neutral white supremacist perspective of like, other countries will be super accommodating of you. Everyone will be used to seeing your face. You don't have to learn the language. Everyone you know? speaks English. Everyone speaks English. And you'll be able, you know, it's like if you are on the beach with your kids and your husband and everything's fine. This is what it would look like. like it's nice to kind of um, be able to make an impact in the way that we have um, as women of color and, and be seen and be places. And also like kind of enforcing what we started with when we first came about was we belong here. And enforcing our belonging and saying like, we deserve these spots just as much as you do. Um, and so today we're going to talk to Jessamine Stanley, who we 100% stand for. She is amazing. She is an international yoga instructor. She is an author. Uh, she is an advocate for body positivity as well as representation in the yoga space. And she always gives us a word. Jessamine is everywhere. She's all over the internet. She does classes all over the United States. Um, she's traveling, and not only is she representing for women of color, she's also representing for body positivity, which is amazing. Anyway, um, in addition to that, um, this weekend, Crazy Rich Asians came out. Woo! 
<laughs> and we went to go see it. Vivian coordinated a nice. You should have seen her holding down the seats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the theater, I thought you were gonna like stretch along. Long I ways. felt like a camp counselor. I was like, everyone, get in these seats. We were people try to take them, <laughs> but it was really fun. I feel like there was twenty people who showed up. Yeah. And it was mostly people of color too, which I think is interesting. Of who shows up to underrepresented movies because mm-hmm. I do wonder if it's like if it doesn't feel like it's for you you don't have to attend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we had a really good turnout on a positive note it's a great turnout I felt like it was my first time having that much support behind something that mainstream you don't really need to ask for support for things mm-hmm. when it's a mainstream thing but with this I felt like showing people just showing up really showed me how much they cared and that's what I wanted at the end of the day was like maybe you're not even a big rom-com person maybe you're a dude who like never watches like romantic comedies but the fact that you showed up just to 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 support I think that's what matters at the end of the day I also think it was just such a good movie and it was very nice and cute and light-hearted and because Speaking of like rom coms, yeah. I feel like that is something that we don't see very often with all of our people. No representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only absolutely white. not. Yeah, like right. only white people are allowed to fall in love. Yeah, guys. Oh my yeah. God. So I hope you didn't forget that. <laughs> or yeah. if it's, it's people of color, it's, it's biracial love. You know? Yes. It's, yeah. Yes. It's like, like there has to be a white savior complex where it's like a color woman and a white yeah. dude. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't for, you can't fall in love with you. You know, you just has to be a white person involved. Yeah, unless it's a Tyler Perry movie or Hitch. But most of the Tyler Perry hits, right? right. It's true. <laughs> That's or a good call. But or if Will Smith is right. the anomaly. And if it's a Tyler Perry movie, you're not gonna fall in love. Like somebody's gonna get abused yeah. or something. Yeah. It's probably it's gonna be a woman up. and a black woman. Um, so I just thought it was really nice to see like a traditional rom-com, but that had so many elements of culture mm-hmm. involved. Like, I mean, I think that well, first of all, I think a lot of people or maybe those who are just incredibly ignorant don't realize that other people in other places got money. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, really? Yes. People said that? Like, people said that? Like, I don't well, think... Well, no, that, I think that's really yeah. common. Like, I think people don't understand that there can be crazy rich Asians. Like, when they right. think... Americans can't yeah, believe Yeah, like, Ameri- okay. Americans okay. can't believe yes. that. No, yeah. Like, I think that people in America have one particular view of Asian people or Asian Americans or don't even Mm. realize what's happening in their own countries. Like, are you kidding? People are loaded. People have, you know, it's like... Chinese people are buying... Californian houses and like buying sell, like buying us out of totally. our places and they don't realize that it's foreign money. Yeah. Yes, and I think also mm. the concept of like when people think of Asian, they only think of Asian Americans. They don't think of mm-hmm. like kind of like in the movie where they showed like all these Asians that went to like British boarding schools and things like that where they can be rich in America as well where people think Asians that are rich in America, they're like self-made, like you know they yeah, worked hard and they went to school and they're immigrants and they're first generation and they're scientists and you know they're rich because they're scientists not rich because they have family money that makes Mm -hmm. sense someone said that to me yesterday and I didn't think about the comment but they're like I didn't realize like that lavish lifestyle was something that Singaporeans had and I was just kind of like of course like there's rich people literally everywhere Everywhere. we also I think in America we're such a young country and we don't truly grasp old money like old money here means something completely different than old money the rest of the world Right. They've been around. Those countries have been established for a lot longer. And there's right. like families 
that have been around for, for generations gener yeah. and generations and generations and have made money in a very different way than what we traditionally think of as like the American come up or like yeah. the American dream. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just a lot of times it's just tunnel vision, like not knowing how the other parts of the world work. I didn't even think of that Something perspective too. Something that's funny is like, I have to think about why people immigrate to America and it's because they're typically poor, but the people who stay in China or who stay in their countries, they're really, really rich. Oh, like yeah. they're they doing stay. fine. That's yeah. why they stay. Mm -hmm. But oh, like man. the American perspective is only like the poor people that do come and immigrate here are like middle class that want a different life or a better life. That's all they believe. That's the standard across a whole nother country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That blows my mind. I kind of have a firsthand <laughs> experience with that. Uh, when we went to Shanghai uh, last year, um, one of my really great friends is Eddie Wong from Wong's World and mm -hmm. all the things. Fresh and, off the boat. Yeah, Woo! fresh off the boat, everything. Mm -hmm. um, Bauhaus. Uh, shout out to Eddie. I love you. Hey. Um, and when I was there, Eddie, Eddie's brother, Emery, uh, lives there or was living there at the time. And then he was like, you know, you guys should go out to dinner with like Emery and like his cousins and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And like his cousin hit me up and was like, hey, you know, we're like operating off our per diem. So she's <laughs> like, hey, I figured we'd go to this restaurant. It was like some super fancy restaurant. <laughs> and. And I said to Eddie, I was like, yo, what's up with your cousin? And he's like, yo, she's crazy rich. Like, and actually said, she's crazy rich. And I was like, really? And he's like, and I'm like, oh, shit. My <laughs> per diem ain't going to cover this. Yeah, I was like, we're not going for this dinner. Like, me, Matt, and Brandon are going to have to put our per diem together <laughs> for, like, for one, one meal. meal. Like, right. one, half, one appetizer. Right. Like, and, um... And I, I hit her up on WhatsApp, and I was like, hey, um, so I'm not totally sure, but our per diem doesn't cover a ton, so if you can go to a place that's, like, a little less expensive. And she was like, girlfriend, please. Like, like basically, like, oh, honey, you're sweet. Yeah. And I was like, I got you. Okay. And so we went out to dinner. They were so awesome, first of all. She's probably the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. <laughs> um, just, like, completely gorgeous. I think she's, like, in her mid-40s or so, and, I mean, she mm. looked 25. Like, I was like, what? Are you look that's like, just being Asian? Yeah, I was like, you that's look, just being Asian. I mean, I felt like a piece of poop, and I told Brandon, I was like, why did you wear that shirt? <laughs> like, but like, I just think I'm so proud of that movie. I'm, it did 35 million in the box office, and it's the number one movie, um, which is fucking amazing mm -hmm. because it's so so important. Like, everyone's voice needs to be heard, mm -hmm. everyone's story needs to be told. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was the best turnout for a rom com in like six years, they exactly. said. Exactly, yeah. people came out and it was good and people want it you can tell obviously like with black panther 2 this year people want their stories being told we're yeah. all tired of hearing the white male stories, stories. Like, yeah we're so there's only so many ways to tell the yeah. same rom-com from the same perspective and yeah that's what i think was super smart about crazy rich asians because and even black panther these narratives overall one's a love story and one's an action like superhero movie mm -hmm. those are both two genres of film that apply um, to a very large audience mm -hmm, or that mm -hmm. have a great like audience appeal. And so surface level, you're going into a rom-com and then, but there's so many like learning moments throughout yeah, mm -hmm. that you learn so much about a culture that one, you did not know about previously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Two, you now know like things and hurdles that, that a lot of people of color families run up against when either it's a like interracial couple mm -hmm. or it's a couple from a different part of the world that just mm -hmm. has different um, relationship 
adjustments or hurdles that they have to figure I was gonna bring that up because I was talking to a bunch of guys after watching I was like what was your perspective like every guy I've talked to has loved it yeah especially someone of color I work with someone who's Argentinian and he is dating someone who's American and he's watching it with his family and his mom disapproved him to date an American girl because she wanted him with a with a Argentinian woman Mm -hmm. and he's sitting there watching his story on screen even though he's not Asian he still relates to it a hundred percent and like as more Americans get into interracial relationships that's a very common theme and it's so sad that it's just not talked about yeah because it makes you feel seen which is really important and accepted and then Mm -hmm. also not alone because Mm -hmm. it's really hard when you're in an interracial relationship no one talks about the fact of different hurdles that you face Mm -hmm. and I think the more we talk about it the more we can start to talk to our parents about it like I'm Chinese American and I'm dating a black man it's no one sees it so they don't think it's normal and because it's not normal it's not accepted yeah right so the more you see it the more it'll get accepted which is the hope when i think it's so crazy that people only perceive like interracial relationships i feel like because of the way media has portrayed it is that it can only be like black and white the fact that they're both chinese but the fact that like he's from singapore and she's from america Mm -hmm. how crazy that cultural mm-hmm. dynamic is and mm-hmm. how she even didn't realize that yeah, yeah. korean americans and chinese americans yeah. like we're there's so, so many different, different. ages yeah. like there's so many different asian types and different cultures like mm-hmm. i don't know a thing about korean culture yeah. i have no clue so i dated a guy who's korean and i was like from the surface level you would think they're both asian they must have so much in common oh, yeah but like not at all mm-hmm. and i w- hopefully that's another iteration that can come out of this kind of movie and representation the different Asian ethnicities within America. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of switch gears really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, And I want to talk about an experience that we had. Oh, yes. Um, We just came back from Panama. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. First of all, shout out to Sansara Mm -hmm. Yoga and Surf Retreat in Kambutau, Panama. And also shout out to uh, Central Hotel Panama for being so nice. Yeah, they were so nice. nice. (laughs) And also to um, my dear friend, Polina Nice. Uh, who gave us such a memorable experience. I honestly don't think I'm ever going to forget that. Like, I actually think I have, like, a little bit of bum outs right now. Like, I feel a little bummed out. For sure. Because I'm not doing yoga twice Twice a day. day. I'm not doing yoga twice a day. I'm not eating clean. I've been eating, y'all, like, trash (laughs) since I got back because my life has been in shambles a little bit. I've been moving, you know. I've been busy. Like, work came in full swing when we got back. Mm -hmm. So my diet went from eating clean every day to eating jack-in-the-box. So, you know, like... I'm feeling Jack it. in the box. Where did you even find this? Uh, it's the only fast food place by my apartment. Actually. Oh my gosh! So, I'm like, I don't want to eat Jack, Jack in the, the box. box. It's what's available. <laughs> I miss the community. Just mm-hmm. to think of the 13 people on that bus when we first went out, and then we were all strangers. And then by the end, I had learned so many different stories. And mm-hmm. Ron, shout out to Ron. He Ron had my heart. We had Ron. so many heart to hearts about music, and like yes. as the week unfolded I learned more and more about him and like Mm -hmm. there was one point it was our last class and I was sitting on the beach by myself and I see Pauline walk out by herself to the sea then Ron walks out and we're all just in different parts of the beach Mm -hmm. and we were just absorbing what had happened Mm -hmm. through the week and then accepting that it was ending and just really taking our time to think about what's next or like you know just enjoying that moment but the three of us I felt like there was throughout the week there was some connection that was really Mm -hmm. easy and we're all different age groups, we're all different life stages of 
our right. lives and to connect with people that easily I was just like oh my god we're all not that different like we're mm-hmm. all in here to figure out what we're supposed to do like find happiness love people and it was just so great I think it was I don't want to say life-changing because it feels corny, but it was kind of life-changing. Oh, I know, say for life sure. Changing. Yeah. yeah. Even though it does feel corny. <laughs> it's, it's hard to wrap up that memorable of an experience that was so unlike, one, any other trip that I'd ever taken. Yeah. I, after this trip, to everyone I've talked to, I've been like, you know, whether you seek it out or not, I think everyone in their life should do a yoga retreat mm-hmm. because everything about that experience, thanks to Plin, thanks to Sansara, everything was so intentional and there was mm-hmm. so much thought and detail put into our meals mm-hmm. and our activities that weren't yoga and our yoga classes and mm-hmm. what times of the day we did things. And it was just, I mean... I hate to say it, but it really was life-changing. Yeah. And Mostro. Mostro. A shout-out yes. to Mostro, the chef. Um, he was amazing. Top Chef Panama, literally. Literally. Uh, um, just my body felt so good when I came back. Like, it felt healthy. Yeah. And, like, just, like, very, like, clean. And my mind felt clear. And I almost feel like whatever... I was going through before washed away mm-hmm. and that anything from here on, like it almost gave me a clean slate to deal with everything moving forward. For yeah. sure. You know, one of the things Pauline said to me, we had a conversation on the phone and she's like, you know, a couple of days later, you might feel like a really large burst of emotion. Yeah. Um, just because of like the experience and the ending of the experience and like, you know, just after do like being immersed in that, like, we literally were immersed. Like we mm-hmm. had no cell phone, like service really, like it just didn't have access like that but like getting massages on the beach like and then going to that little house party yeah little like hotel beach party down the street and like with all the locals was beautiful because it was just like seeing people knee deep in their culture and like being a part of it I love that aspect of it I didn't want to bring my American ways to Panama that's how I felt I felt very much like I want to be so immersed in this culture in this scene whatever we're doing because it's just so beautiful and so loving and so intentional Mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like I learned a lot about myself on the retreat. Like, that's probably my biggest takeaway is that I got to do... I've been having a rough time the past yeah. month. Uh, and so it came kind of at the perfect time, the retreat. And it was nice to disconnect. And I felt like as a Latina, like, it was kind of nice for them to be so respectful that I didn't speak Spanish. And they, mm-hmm. like, actually kind of wanted to help me learn a little bit of Spanish mm-hmm. while I was there. And so for me, I felt like I worked through getting down with my barriers of like the fact that I don't speak Spanish and how much that makes me so nervous when I travel to Spanish-speaking countries. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt more confident with myself by the end of the week about my Spanish. And we also, Viv and I went surfing. Yes. And I feel like I'm someone who, A, just like is always like, if I can't do it right the first time, I'm oh, like, yeah. I suck at everything. And so the instructors at Sansara were incredible. They yeah. were very intentional. They were very super willing to answer any questions, take it slow with you. And they really took their time with you in terms of teaching you on dry land first and then taking you out mm-hmm. for, you know, just to like learn the motions of the board. And then you went and actually tried to surf. And by the end of it, I actually felt really good about it. And I got to like try the harder board and I actually like made a lot of progress. And I was like, wow, this is something I would have told myself over and over again, like, oh, I, I will never be good at surfing. I'm never going to try it. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I want to actually like 
go surfing. Well, it's that fear, right? It's fear yeah. of failure. Fear, fear of failure. We're in American society. We want to be perfect our first time or we're completely nix it. Mm-hmm. We're so scared of rejection. Like, what if people laugh at us when mm-hmm. we fall? But, like, when we first started, they gave us four pillars. Hopefully I can remember, remember them. The first one was learn to let go, which is letting go in the ocean. You have to. You have zero control. Right. So that's also life. And then two is... Be comfortable with the uncomfortable, which I think we talk a lot about in our workplace because you're constantly pitching ideas and you just have to mm-hmm. get out of your comfort zone. Number four was accept failure, which I think is something really, really hard for us to even grasp because we don't want to fail. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was, oh, shit. Oh, the last one is slowing down. So Mm. when you're on your surfboard, you feel like you have to do everything in one motion because that's how you see it. But the reality is it's a very slow process. You get on the board, you lean up, you then feel the wave underneath your board and you feel secure enough that you can lift your whole body up and then stand. But I thought it was just like a really cool, it's like yoga, you flow through it. You for sure flow, through the slow, like the slowness, you can be intentional with your movements while when you're rushing through things, you're bound to fuck up. Like you're not thinking it through, you wanna get it over with, you're not being mindful. So slowing down was probably what I learned the most being on that surf experience and mm. I loved it I'm like I'm trying to find the surfboard I'm like where Same. can I go surfing it was so cool and the conquering feeling of like I just did that it was the most empowering thing ever well so this is good news um Palin actually has tentative dates for 2019's retreat Ooh. which is great because that means that it was a success oh my god um yes. and so her dates her tentative dates for restore and explore for 2019 are July 28th to August 3rd okay of 2019 Look, I think Vivian's buying a flight right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, even Palin's intentions of setting it with the new moon and yeah. finding the time, every little piece was thought out. And mm-hmm. you feel it. And I don't think we get that that much in our own lives. So when you get it, immersing not only in a whole nother culture, but that much love, yeah. you're like, holy shit, I feel it. And it's mm-hmm. like, how can we do that more in our own day-to-days? Even like the five-hour bus ride, like we had to take a, a little tidy like kind of van bus ride from Panama City to Kambutal and back mm-hmm. and like even that ride like people some people were complaining because the first ride was a little longer due to some protest but I also felt kind of like okay with it yeah, yeah. like I wasn't on the bus like oh dear god get me off this bus yeah. like I was kind of like hey there are some farmers protesting about their livestock do you mm-hmm. I can it's wait. important it's important I'm like I can honestly wait yeah yeah like After eating people- that food I was like this is very important yeah <laughs> Shit. Like, I'm like, this is like, you know, and and this is their business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not mine. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of like, I did not mind that. And just even driving through Panama, I mean, we got to see a lot of Panama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. So we saw those cities and everything that we got to drive through. We stopped at like 20 rest stops, which was even awesome because like <laughs> being in the rest stop was cool. Because mm-hmm. I also looked at every opportunity to speak Spanish. Like the people of Panama are so nice. So nice. So kind. Like everyone was like super, super helpful, more than helpful. We walked in stores and was like, hey, where's a good place to go drink? People were like, hold on, let me get my map. Like, Mm -hmm. it's literally, like, everyone wants to help you. So, I mean, I would 100% recommend going to Panama, first of all. But I would also Mm -hmm. recommend checking out Explore and Restore. 
I would recommend checking out Sansara. Everyone there is so nice. Brooke, Janelle, like everybody. Also, um, for all those listening who are like, damn, this trip sounds amazing. I wish I could see photos and videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming up, so check out our social channels. We're working on a really awesome recap video mm-hmm. um, that we have all put a lot of heart and time mm-hmm. into capturing that content while there and really mindful of how we were like going to share our experience with you all. Um, so yeah, just watch our social channels for some fun Panama recap stuff. So guys, we have the esteemed pleasure of talking to Jessamine Stanley, international yoga instructor, podcast host, and author. Also a uh, representation of women of color in yoga and body positivity. So we're super thrilled. Jessamine, thank you so much for being with us and talking to us and joining us on this joyous Tuesday morning. Thank y'all so much for having me. I've been a fan of On She Goes for a really long time, and I've been, like, watching the trajectory, and I just think that what y'all do is really important. So I'm glad that we can be in community together. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. That I know. makes me want <laughs> like that. We don't right hear now. that enough. <laughs> that makes me feel no, so No, like, good. for real, dude. There's so few, like, I mean, especially when you start talking about, like, representation within specific communities and then, like, within... Because, I mean, I think that representation is cool to talk about in a general sense, and it's kind of, like... Um, kind of buzzwordy right now. So yeah, for like, sure. Oh, yeah, I all of a sudden give a fuck about this. But y'all are like, <laughs> nah, but for real though. So yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. And that's kind of, we were just having this conversation a little bit earlier because um, we were saying that the reason why I wanted to talk about representation in the first place, or we wanted to talk about it, was because when we first started with On She Goes, we were like, I'm so tired of seeing like older white men on travel magazines and in ads and stuff like that. It's like, what about other people that look like me or like Vivian, like right. Farron, like Becca, like Jessamine? Like, what about other people? Like, do they not travel? Do we not go anywhere? Like, Right. Like, and that there's so many things that are, like, specific to our experience. And this is no shade to Rick Steves either because, like, I mean, I got a couple Rick Steves books. I know y'all must yeah. have <laughs> No know? shade. So, like, it's no shade. I'm just saying, though. I feel you. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things we just did, actually, uh, that we were also just talking about is we just got back from Panama. We went to... Oh, snap. Yeah, like last, nice. like last Tuesday. Yeah. Think, or like yeah. this past Tuesday. It feels Tuesday. like a lifetime ago yeah. and also yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We just yeah, got back right. from Panama. We went to uh, a yoga retreat called Explore and Restore <gasps> in Sansara. Very interesting. Yes. <laughs> and this was a step out of our comfort zone for sure, especially for myself. I know Viv and Farron and Becca do yoga quite often. Me mm-hmm. and Rebecca, who's not with us today, we do not do yoga at all. And so it was a lot of pushing ourselves. Um, <laughs> and like, right. I think one of the things we didn't say is the overall that we kind of learned is to stop paying, stop worrying about how you look and worry about how you feel. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think that that's so, that is not represented from the yoga world at all, like just as a concept mm-hmm. that you can just be here just for how you feel. Like it really, how you look is so beyond the point. It's not even on the same page of the point. Like mm-hmm. it's, I would say it's actually the opposite of the point, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that sounds dope. Um, it's very interesting timing. 
We did um, we did Afroflow yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, a really close girlfriend of mine named oh. Polina Nice mm-hmm. teaches an Afroflow yoga class at Alvin Ailey. Yeah. And um, there's a dance element to it, which yeah. really you can't care about how you look at all because you're dancing Absolutely. soberly to a live drum. Yeah. And your body just takes over <laughs> and you're just like, I'm going to do what feels right right yeah. now. And no one's watching. Right. So it was just so beautiful. Well, I, I want to rewind a little bit and I want to ask you a few questions. Um, so for, for those who don't know, how did you get into yoga? I started practicing when I was in graduate school. Um, it's been eight-ish years since then. Um, when I first started practicing, I was going through a period of depression that is not at all uncommon for anyone who's been to graduate school, honestly. <laughs> like, um, it was basically a reckoning within the self of like everything that I'm doing that is supposed to become my life's work is honestly has nothing to do with who I actually am and I don't know who I am and everything around me is collapsing all at the same time like I was in a relationship that was ending whatever shit was going down yeah and um I one of my classmates was like you should try Bikram yoga it's gonna be so great blah blah and I was really not into it because I had actually tried Bikram yoga specifically one time when I was in high school and just had like the worst experience and I was like I'm not doing this I know it's not for me you can't possibly convince me but she did eventually wear me down and I went and I just loved it because it it was so difficult it was so mentally physically emotionally spiritually challenging every single time was like having my face just pressed up against a wall but understanding that I am more than my boundaries, that the boundaries are constructs that I make to feel safe, starting to understand that like my um, my source of happiness is within me, trying to come to a reckoning with all of these fortresses that I built within myself. And I definitely didn't feel that like speak this esoterically about it in the beginning. Like initially I was just like, oh, yoga's dope. Like, I feel stronger. I feel more, like, like mentally conscious. Like, I feel, um, I feel more flexible. This is great. And it gave me a lot of confidence. It gave me the confidence to leave graduate school, which was just making me, like, really miserable, and move to Durham, where I live now. And when I moved to Durham, I couldn't afford to practice in yoga studios. I didn't have any money. I didn't have anywhere to live. I was right. like, I could not even fathom trying to, like, put that aspect of my life together and so I stopped practicing for a period of time and during that time a bunch of things happened the thing that I wrote about in everybody yoga and the thing that's probably most notable is that my aunt passed away really unexpectedly though what is expectedly with death but right anyway um I came into this cycle that I had similar to what was happening to me before I started practicing but I was like, what was making me feel good before? Yoga? Okay, let me just figure out a way to do this at the house, like with what I have. And it started with me just practicing like eight to 10 yoga poses from the Bikram sequence that I felt comfortable practicing without a teacher present. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved into this like wanting to know about lineage and history and wanting to understand like um, every posture and wanting to, I mean, it just, it turned into something that, I certainly didn't anticipate and that um, yoga became a way for me to sort of walk, walk through life 
um, feeling more sure-footed on a regular basis. Mm. And it infiltrated aspects of myself that I could never have imagined. And my love has become like as vast and deep as the ocean. But um, it all started when I was back in graduate school. Wow. And that that is like so amazing because I think one of the things that scares a lot of people about even trying yoga or trying a lot of things that have been like, you know, kind of Columbus um, <laughs> is the <laughs> right. idea <laughs> is the idea of like being the only person in the room that looks like you. Mm. And mm-hmm. that kind of goes back to representation. Like you you represent, you're an advocate for women of color. You're an advocate for body positivity um, for women of all sizes. And what was it like the first time you put yourself out there as to say, like, listen, I know everybody in this yoga studio don't look like me. You know what I mean? But I'm here and I'm doing this and I feel good. Like, was it hard for you? Was it empowering did you just what were there no obstacles were you like yeah fuck y'all I'm just gonna do me <laughs> like what was the I overall? mean I don't, I don't know if it's ever real even even when you say fuck y'all I feel like there's and even when you're just like whatever I don't care there's always an aspect of self where it's like you are consciously overcoming that feeling of like of the the initial reaction I don't know maybe it's not like that for everybody but um <laughs> I, I would say that being the only like fat black queer person in yoga spaces is just like being the only fat black queer person everywhere else yeah. so to mm-hmm. me it was not like that different from any other part of my life to be completely honest mm-hmm. but like I went to a predominantly white middle school like predominantly white high school I, I also went to a high school that was like predominantly white wealthy women cis women and so it was like really a lot like that experience it's Mm. basically like everybody thinks that you don't deserve to be here this is like it's clear from the body language right um everybody is like you know like almost like trying not to be near you lest they be associated with you and that's just something that i've come to understand in my life it's like people are afraid of what they don't understand and so I don't feel that it's beneficial for me to rest in like trying to understand why other people don't get me or don't um, feel comfortable around me because that doesn't have anything to do with me. That has a lot to do with them. Right. And for me, it's just been like, just be be proud of who you are because mm-hmm. you are the only one. Like mm-hmm. don't don't sit in a space of um, of thinking that like you're less than because you're the only person mm-hmm. that's here. Like maybe you're more than because you're the only person here. Or maybe you maybe this says even more about like who should be here and and really trying to like stay in that space about it. But I will agree that like it's extremely alienating to go into a space where like people don't look like you and mm-hmm. and it's even more than not looking like you it's thinking that you don't deserve to be there because mm-hmm. you don't look like them and it represents so much more that's going on in our society and mm-hmm. i i hope to see that conversation start to become like more um more prominent within the yoga world because yoga more than anything else 
has nothing to do with anyone else on this planet. It's completely unrelated to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Like your practice is your practice, regardless of if you're in a room full of people. And I tend to think that whenever people are so focused on like the others who are in the room, they're not in their practice. So my thing now is like, I'm just, I'm doing my thing, you do your thing, anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like it took having a woman of color instructor for me to learn that. Cause I've been yoga for, probably like on and off like a couple years. My best friend became a yoga instructor because basically she took yoga at our college campus, which to me, I'm like, how did you even get into yoga? Because Baylor, I went to a private Baptist college. Um, They change yoga at the (laughs) class because it's too spiritual. And so they changed the wording and things like that. So I'm like, the fact that you even got into yoga from a yoga instructor at Baylor, crazy. But she... um, got into yoga and she fell in love with it and I was having a lot of back problems so she told me to like get into yoga for my back not for my spirit and so I was kind of in it and I kind of thought it was a bunch of hooey I was like is my back getting better like I don't really know I like enjoy these classes but like I don't really know what it's doing for me you know like I I was in it but I wasn't in it and then I took the retreat and I went to Pillin's class and I knew the moves and I'm, I'm a dancer so I'm flexible but like I didn't really understand the purpose until I took Pillin's class because it was like really focused on me and like my practice and myself and my journey and it wasn't about making sure I can hit all the moves and it wasn't about looking like a dancer because that's I felt like every class I was like gotta look like my dancer self you know right totally and it's not about looking like a dancer it's about like what this practice is doing for your soul and your body and your mind and all that stuff. There's something to be said for grace, that, but the, but what is grace? Yeah, right? that it's not it's not specific to any body type or to any personality or to any lifestyle or life experience. Grace is something that exists within all of us, and so often the definitions and the intentions are about okay, well, bitch, you better be in line with everybody else. Like right. you need to be moving in time, in step, and that your value <laughs> is in there. Anyway. Right. One of the things I definitely wanted to ask you is, you know, um, for us and particularly for me, I knew that when we first started on She Goes, um, it was going to put us out there in a way in which um, we were going to be on the forefront of saying, hey, we're doing this for people that are like us. And and that I was going to put that out there publicly and put my face on it and put my name on it as we're, as all these ladies are. It takes a lot of guts to kind of mm. step in front of your sisters, to be honest, right. and say, don't worry, y'all. I got y'all. I'm going to fight for you. Right. I'm going to do this for right. you if you can't do it for yourself. You know, what was that like for you? And what was that? What was the moment that you decided to put yourself out there as that person? Or did it just happen organically? So it, it happened organically, but I also feel like there's there's like a lineage and a legacy there. There's very much like a the only way that specifically like women of color have gotten fucking anywhere is because we stand for each other and stay and stay for each other. And I feel like when I think about the work that I do, it's the exact same work that my grandmas did. It's the same work that my aunts did. It's the same work that my mom does. Like, it's the same, it's that like, no matter what you do for a living, no matter like 
what community you're in or where you are on the globe, it's your responsibility to lift up and be supportive of those around you. Like that, that's the service that we give to each other to, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. I feel like the whole reason that we're here is to like, it's to be, and then to be of service to others so that I don't, I mean, I think that even if I wasn't, doing the work that I'm doing now I would still be like wanting to lift up and wanting to be a part of us all rising together and if the universe had not led me to the to this path I would not be doing this I pushed against being a yoga teacher for as long as I possibly could because I was like there are thousands of yoga teachers why the fuck do I need to be a yoga teacher like (laughs) there's a mountain to climb to even go into a teacher training and then even when that happened I was just like maybe I'll like like I'll learn some stuff and maybe I'll teach every once in a while but like I have other goals I have things I'd like to do I don't I don't think that this needs to be one of those things but I really think about myself very much as like pre-YTT which is what we call yoga teacher training and post-YTT because pre-YTT I very much viewed my practice as like it's just something that I do it's a superficial part of my life it's not something that really has an effect on anything but during the training I realized that the reason that truly we all need to be teachers but at least for me specifically the reason that I need to be a teacher is because my experience this the hurdles the falls the trauma the drama the mess all of that it has shaped me so critically And that shaping means that the way that I'm able to see this practice is therefore like unique in a way. And it won't speak to everyone. It's likely that it won't speak to most people because it's pretty fucking specific, Mm -hmm. but it could speak to at least one person. And that, even if it's just for that one person, that is worth teaching because if that person is going through the same shit that I'm going through and they're feeling like they can't see the light within themselves and they can't understand that the question, that all the answers to the questions that they have is that those answers are within themselves. And if they're feeling like they have to reach outside of themselves for happiness, then perhaps by speaking and understanding the practice the way that I do, I could encourage someone else to live their own practice. And that is really my entire motivator. There was never a moment where I was like, this would be a great career move. Or like, I wanna stand up for all black queer people and show (laughs) that this is what yoga can look like. It was literally (laughs) like, the universe has led me to this place and I'm going to do what is being asked of me. And when it's no longer being asked of me anymore, then I'll do something else and I'll walk another path or I'll continue to walk this path, but by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that that got somewhere near the No, that, yeah, that makes total sense. I want to learn a little bit more about your podcast and maybe you can tell some of our audience where to find your podcast and also where to find you on social. And then can you give me... Just for our travel aspect of things, um, yes. your favorite destination in the world ooh, to be. Ooh. Okay. 
so so my podcast is on stitcher premium it's called jessamine explains it all the show is about the yoga of everyday life one of the things that irritates the fuck out of me about the modern yoga world is that people only talk about postures and they only talk about like posing and being and specifically like advanced postural work and all of this stuff that really has nothing to do with like the way that yoga actually shows up in your life because the most important teachers in my life have been my partners like my the people who uh, the people who cut me off in traffic like um children people it's it's interactions that we typically discount as like not being worthwhile but that make all the difference and so the show is really just about talking about that yoga the yoga that really makes a difference on a day-to-day basis the yoga of real life so you can find that on stitcher premium um the other question was where is my favorite place to be there's a lot of places on this planet that are truly amazing like just really have humbled the shit out of me and the place that I would like to live that I think is really like matches the tone of my life the most is probably Big Island Hawaii that's where I would like go and live and just be be done with this part be done with the mainland but um the other place would probably be um Indonesia I'm I'm amazed by what volcanoes create. Like volcanoes are bad bitches. They should be like, look, were you enjoying living here? Cause you're not anymore. Okay, <laughs> I'm still alive, and I'm just about to do this shit anyway. So Indonesia would nice. <laughs> be my, probably my place. Well, thank you so much, Jessamine. I really, really am so thankful. We are so thankful for having you. Um, everybody can follow Jessamine on Instagram at my name is Jessamine. Correct. Yes, that's perfect. Yes, so follow her and listen to her podcast on Stitcher. You are constantly giving a word. So. Constantly just be out here talking too damn much, so I hope, I'm glad y'all don't mind. <laughs> oh, no, you're <laughs> so you incredible. Yes, thanks, Y'all Jessamine. have a good rest of your day. Have you a good too, afternoon. thank you so much. Talk to you later. Peace out. So thanks, guys, so much for joining us today. Um, don't forget to follow us at On She Goes everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, give us your comments. DM us. Farron will definitely write you back uh, or Rebecca. <laughs> and um, continue to represent. And that's Ooh. it.